This podcast should not be considered as medical or legal advice. If you are looking for such advice, then do contact a professional. But please find someone that has a brain and can think critically about what's going on in the world today. This is the Collective Resistance Podcast with your hosts, Leo and Fabiola. We will be discussing why we find ourselves resisting the narratives of the common collective, as well as why the common collective resists new information. Key to winning. Use all the shit people throw at you as fertilizer. Keep growing. Nicole Arbor. Fabiola. Hey, Leo. We have got to figure out how to record these earlier in the day. Hey, we have children. We're doing the best we can. We are. We are. And I'm uh, I'm going to go on a little road trip tomorrow. So uh, I, I, I'm wanting to get to sleep as, as quickly oh, as possible. because but, you'll be yeah. driving. So let's... Uh, let's walk through this stuff. Now, what do you have for us tonight? So there's been several weeks now that we've been hearing about the WHO Treaty, and I wasn't really sure what that was all about. Now, who, who are you talking about? <laughs> the WHO, where, why, how? No, I'm serious. The who, World who? Health Organization. So there was... Um, some information circling about this meeting that was happening in Switzerland at the end of May, where the nations were going to be discussing about this pandemic treaty or amendments to the international health regulations um, document that's something used by the WHO to basically enforce enforce i mean force into countries countries that have have signed with the un like the u.s and thus the world health organization which is an arm of the un they have agreed basically to these regulations and so their responsibilities are one moment to detect uh which says make sure um, they have surveillance systems and laboratories that can detect potential threats as far as disease is concerned. Assess, so work together with other countries to make decisions in public health emergencies. Report, so they report spe uh, specific diseases plus any potential international public health emergencies through participation in a network of national folk focal points and then they respond to public health events so they respond with regulations okay you got a test to go to come back into the u.s or you got a test to go to mexico i don't think you have to do it to mexico just the u.s right but anyway some countries you have to have um your vaccinations in order to be able to go in and do whatever you want to do so anyways in between countries there are these rules 
that the UN has delegated to the World Health Organization in regards to uh, public health. So the big issue that people are having about the treaties is basically in the U.S. We would be giving up our sovereignty and then this would supersede our constitution. Yeah, a lot of hubbub about that. Yeah, so we wanted to understand it first, understand what kind of powers does the U.N. have really when it comes to state sovereignty or country sovereignty. Uh, what is enforceable? What is the punishment? What are the amendments exactly? Because so this international health regulations, they have gotten updates through the years. The last update to these regulations was in 2005. And of course, COVID-19 being the perfect excuse for more surveillance and control the countries, the 40 countries want to get together and, and figure out how can they speed up the process <laughs> of more this just isn't going fast data enough. surveillance. So that is the focal point of this discussion. So there was a website by a guy named James Roguski. He has a substack. I'm not really sure who this guy is, but I think you said there were even some Snapchat videos going around about oh, yeah, I caught it on on Instagram. Mm -hmm. So just to give a summary, okay, of what is the relationship between the United States and other countries when it comes to the WHO or when it comes to the UN, what is the history behind it? Okay. So the WHO was created in 1948. So they are the Public health arm of the UN, as I said previously, the U.S. participation in the WHO falls under the Treaty Charter of the United Nations. Okay, so this is all about treaties. So you can still, um, so we'll share the link of this information for you guys so you can read it for yourself or do your own research on the show notes, as we always do. Also follow us on Telegram to continue the conversation. And our group is, Leo? The Collective Resistance Podcast. Correct. So back to the summary and the history. The U.S. signed onto a WHO treaty called the International Health Regulations, the I. HR in 1969. Okay. And in 1947, the U.S. signed the U.N. Charter, which serves as a treaty between the U.N. and the member countries. In 1948, the WHO was formed as the public health arm of the U.N., as we already said. Thus, the U.S. is part of the WHO because the U.S. has a treaty with the U.N. Mm -hmm. So that's the situation there. And the WHO created the World Health Assembly, the WHA, which is the group of WHO members who discusses and agrees on rules to go govern WHO actions and decisions and those uh, in the decisions of their members. So the WHA created a document of these rules called the International Health Regulations. So since then, the IHR has been revised several times. And the most recently time that this has been revised was in 2005 because we had 
COVID-19, apparently, this pandemic that came out of nowhere. We have to get things under control. Yes, we got to get some amendments. And don't waste a crisis, right? Exactly. So the WHA, so the World Health Assembly, met in Geneva in at, at the end of May to discuss these revi- revisions. And I believe that was a closed doors meeting because... Right. There are no videos about it anywhere like the, the WEF meetings that we share videos. Uh, was it last episode that we did that? Was uh, no, a couple, a couple episodes, episodes ago. ago. So, this, this, so this guy, uh, Vergersky, was that his name? Vergersky. I hope I'm saying it correctly. Sorry if I butchered his name. He's doing a really good job, you know, sounding the alarm, talking about the the regulations of 2005 and the amendments. But I was reading on his website and there uh, his website and there were a few things that were a little off from what he was saying. So I don't know if it has to do with the propaganda that we talked about. So you know these leaders, the elite keeps trying to make them look more f- powerful than they actually are because it's all about you know, them saying, oh, we're going to do this, this, and that. But but who is going to enforce this? Who does that apply to, really? So that's what we wanted to discuss in this episode. But back to Rogerski. He had on his Substack, which we'll link in the show notes, some items about seven different items to raise awareness of what this treaty, this pandemic treaty, Uh, is going to mean for the people of the world, especially people of the United States. So the first point he brought up was that most people have never heard of the international health regulations. And I totally agree with him because I had not. I hadn't either. We hadn't heard of it either. But he said the United States agreed to the IHR in 2005, which is really not an accurate statement. Because in reality, just being a member state of the UN just by default mm-hmm. makes them part of it. Right. And the countries, the member countries can submit amendments to the regulations and the Biden administration has gladly uh, contributed to these amendments, which are horrendous. We'll go into them in a minute. But so he also says that these regulations override and supersede the U.S. Constitution. And that is actually not accurate either. Okay, and this is why it is not accurate. Because states or countries have sovereignty. So no foreign entity or entity outside of the legislative body of a country can interfere with its laws so or individuals within borders so it won't apply to you and me okay and so you talk about there's international law right it does exist international law the un is kind of like the the court that does the mediation between yeah between countries but that is just between countries which we call those treaties that you go in between countries, but they don't really apply to individuals in their own country. So that's why that... In a lot of ways, that's is that kind of like um, when we were talking about uh, 
state governments and corporate bylaws and stuff. It's like, you know, the, yes. those those rules apply to employees of the state, but mm-hmm. not to actual citizens per se. Well, citizens, it applies to citizens. Oh, because citizens are, yes, citizen. because you're, you're technically like a, 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 a so there reduced you would go, level employee. Yeah. So if you, we would go deeper, uh, step farther into this discussion, you know, at the end of the day, if you believe you were a divine being created by divine creator, you know, none of this really applies to you. You can just live your life Mm -hmm. as that free being that you were created to be. But you, but you were saying though, when we were talking before the episode, you were, you were mentioning that, uh, you know, the, the problem becomes when, you know, you do want to travel and stuff of that nature mm-hmm. because you, you, you're kind of uh, subject to the way these countries... I mean, you were subject, subjected as a, as a citizen of a country, right? So when you were flying commercial, when you have a standard passport... Um, when you consider yourself a citizen, yes, then when you're traveling between countries, those regulations would apply when you're at a port of entry, for example, mm-hmm. right, where they're going to want to see your health passport, make sure you have all your shots in order. or All the checkboxes to all the, the check imaginary. Exactly. Uh, Which really, at the end of the day, that's really the propaganda is all about this goal where you're really getting people to buy into. You need to do all these things in order to enjoy. Be safe. Yeah. Be safe and enjoy. The privilege know, vacations of, yeah, or, yeah, of travel. And uh, I mean, in my case, it wouldn't really be vacations, right? Because I have family in another country. Yeah, yeah. You're just going to see those that you love. So yeah. so we need to start, you know, being smarter about this understanding that we don't have to submit ourselves to these made up regulations or believe that they are necessary or that for you in order for you to be a good person you need to just yeah, you roll need to over yeah. yeah roll over and do what you need to do to appease the elites but just for a little more history let's talk about i'm going to share this also in the show notes this is from the healthy american our lovely peggy hall put this documentation together but she talks about what is a sovereign state it's very important that you understand that so that you don't panic about all these rules they're coming from the un or the who or the elites or whoever mr global whoever is behind all this so sovereign state is the supreme power or ultimate authority that establish or change laws. So our elected officials, right, that are in the legislative bodies, is that how you say that? Mm-hmm. Yes. So they are the ones that establish or change laws. So laws from outside of the sovereign state will not apply to the individual. The authority of a country to govern itself is sovereignty. Each country has sovereignty over its own laws, people and borders, which I would say, yes, they have. They have its own laws. Uh, what she say? The sovereignty over 
its own laws, people, and we talked about what people are. So people are your birth certificate, your driver's license, pieces of paper. Your straw piece, man. Yeah, pieces of paper, pieces of plastic. They're not you. It's just these contracts. But they are created by um, your government. And because they are created by your government, your government assumes that they own those entities. But those entities are not you. You. Okay, so that is an important distinction. But again, this is a two-level separation from mm -hmm. you and the whoever says that they govern over you, right? Now, if we go to one step of separation, we are saying we are these pieces of paper. We got to understand that international law or entities outside of the state do not dictate how you live your life mm -hmm. in your state. So that's right. important. Now, you do have international law, as we said. International law is actually voluntary participation by a sovereign state, so the, the body or the country, right? And agreements, they are agreements between international agencies. So they are agreements, and they are voluntary. Um it does this international law does not apply to individuals as we we're saying in each country treaties are the main source of what makes up international law so the treaty that we have with the UN for example um let's see there's no oh there's no enforcement on these treaties except for sanctions between countries right so what we heard on the WEF a lot the sanctions on Russia and because they don't like how they're playing with Ukraine or the dynamic or the world or the problem that we always had with, we don't have a problem with Russia. Right, right. <laughs> they have a problem with Russia. So the way that they used to enforce really this international law is either sanctions, if a country decides I don't want to play ball or in a war, which we know is like an extreme measure, but... It happens like every other year, it seems like. We I just got they, out I, of one and now we're getting into another one. Because they could do travel too, right? They could pause travel if your country wasn't wasn't uh, playing ball. I mean, they could do whatever, right? right? They could coerce you. But anyways, they are not, they are voluntary. At the end of the day, they're voluntary. The consequences are not, you know, war and sanctions and war are not great, but they're still voluntary. No, If nobody wanted to play ball, we wouldn't be in the predicament right. that we are right now. So international law is for relations between sovereign states, not within each of the states. And when we say states, we mean... The countries. And then we need to understand what treaties are. So treaties are mutual cooperation agreements, commitments or understandings between states or between these countries. Treaties are also called pacts, accords, protocols, and conventions. Um, they are intended to improve relations between countries. I mean, they're intended. Who knows? It doesn't seem like that. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, I think we've learned that, <laughs> that anything legal like that is typically protecting or pushing some agenda. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's creating a market for some uh, technology or, um, 
you know, in this case, a, a very, uh, um, you know, like you were talking about the surveillance state and the, right. the, uh, corresponding, uh, components of that, mm-hmm. you know, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's just paving the way to, to layer that on top of the infrastructure of the planet. But on paper, they are meant to reduce conflicts between nations, right, or wars. So in the U.S., the president can enter into a treaty with approval of two-thirds of the Senate. So Biden can't just decide, you know, he's going to go into the treaty without the Senate actually being on board. And that's why it's important that you talk to your senators or let them know that you're right. not cool. I mean, understand what this is, right? And that's what we're trying to do here. Um, give some clarity on what this treaty is and what it's not. Um, and also, you can go to your senator and say, hey, if you vote for this, I'm not going to vote for you. Yeah, I'm not down with it. <laughs> yes. Let him know. And actually, um, what is it? Um, he or she. He or she. He or she. Uh, what is that? What was it? Send for Health Freedom. They have amazing information about the treaty and actions you can take also to connect with your, your leaders in your state to say no to this, these shenanigans. So those are treaties. I see. What else do we need to know about treaties? Treaties are considered on par with federal law, okay? But treaties are not federal law because they did not originate in the legislative branch of the government. So there is no enforcement authority or power over treaties. So it's kind of like... It's weird. How could they say they're on par then? It doesn't really make a lot of sense Well, again, it's propaganda because they are on par, okay? They are like, this is part part of this international law, but who is going to enforce it? It's not like the international police is going to knock on your door and say you are out of compliance with the treaty. Well, I mean, not yet, right? <laughs> no, the UN does have not. a police force. I mean, but well, how how big oh, is the police it. force? You know, so if people understand that, you know, there's a lot more of us than there are yeah. of this police force. Well, but people don't understand we'll that with their friends. own country, you know, let alone uh, uh, a. Uh, maybe it will be easier for them to understand. Maybe. So in. Um, Conclusion, okay, treaty, uh, things that you, you should know about this WHO treaty, okay, one, treaty has existed, this IHR has existed for a long time. Just, it's, it, it didn't just It's not a out new thing. The last revision was in 2005. That was the update. The proposed changes do not give away U.S. sovereignty to the WHO which I think that's where the misconception is, where people are up in arms about. International law governs rules between countries, not sovereignty. Uh, And the WHO is already kind of calling the shots. I mean, the propaganda is that they are calling the shots uh, because we're in the treaty with the UN. When it comes to public health, we've been in the treaty in the UN since... 1948. And the things you need to know about international law, 
regulates behavior between countries or nations. Treaties are the main source of this international law. International law governs rules between countries, not within the country. Sovereignty states have authority over creating and changing laws. So only within the state, right, we have the legislative branch. And there is no enforcement authority for international law, which I think is the most important part. Hallelujah. We don't need to freak out about it. So let's see, what else this guy said here? On January 18, 2022, the United States submitted a number of amendments to the IHR, the International Health Regulation that serve to give away even more of our sovereignty and great, greatly power the World Health Organization who to restrict your health-related rights and freedoms. So that's also not correct within your country because they can create these laws within countries. So what else did this guy say? The 75th meeting of the World Health Assembly... Um, was going to be held in Geneva, Switzerland in May, this past May 22nd to the 28th. These amendments to the international health regulations do not need to be approved by two-thirds of the U.S. Senate. He's correct there, but um, again, we wouldn't be in the treaty if the two-thirds hadn't already Except agreed back in the 40s, right? So it's, it's kind of pointless he's saying that because the treaty again doesn't apply to the citizens of a country. Um, and he says here, we have already agreed to obey the IHR by virtue of our membership, which I mean, we didn't agree to obey anything because I didn't say anything, mm -hmm. did you, Leo? I don't recall. Yes, so. Might have sent that to a different address. But the reason that he was putting these points in the website, I think, is because of this treaty on pandemic prevention and preparedness and response, which actually it is what the IHR stands for, as we talked in the beginning, right? It already exists. But in the beginning, it was only about six different diseases. And now it's about, you know, whatever is made up in silico pretty much in the laboratory as long as we believe the germ theory is a thing yeah and that's uh that's a problematic one on the and it's on definitely its belief because when we look at we dive in the science as we have in several episodes and we talk to different um well you, you were you were experts on the issue and found that it really doesn't seem like germ theory is accurate <laughs> Well, and you were you were saying that one of the the key things wasn't one of the the uh, amendments that the U.S. put forward was to shorten the time frame. Yeah, so let's talk about what this what the actual uh, core of the issue is. Where is my documentation? So, the U.S. wanted to reduce. So there's an amendment, Amendment Fifty Nine of the IHR. That talked about how quickly the nations have to respond in the case of a health emergency. So the countries are all in agreement. This is Amendment um, 
is the WHA, so the World Health Assembly, to is an amendment of the uh, World Health Assembly to Article 59. Article 59 is entry into force, period for rejection or reservations regarding the timeline for new amendments to the IHR to be adopted and become legally binding on member states. So that's what this was about, specifically this amendment. So basically the amendment would be, uh, the U.S. wanted to reduce the timeline for adoption of this new amendment from a two-year process to a six-month process. So this, it's it's pretty wild when you think, you know, I mean, you, you need a little bit of time, you know, to assess. And, okay, and is this really a threat or is this just some country like China decided they were going to... Do whatever, yeah. Who the hell knows, yeah. To create this... Hysteria. Hysteria. And then your country has now, instead of two, if you're a member, of course, two-year process, instead of two years, you have six months now process. So it's pretty complicated, right, to basically change all the rules and regulations that, on how people travel in and out. Yeah. Right? Um, what else? Right now, after notification of an adopted amendment, countries have 18 months to reject or make reservation, and an additional six months before those amendments go into force or, you know, go into this legally binding international law category. The proposal adopted by the World Health Assembly decreases that timeline to 10 months instead of 18 months to reject or reserve, and two additional months for effect, shortening the entire timeline by a year. So instead of having two years, then now you have one year. So this amendment to Section 59 adopted by the Assembly, along with additional language changes to articles, there's some other articles, 55, 61, 62, 63, We'll give the links in the description of the show so that you can go and look at it yourself and understand it a little deeper. But I think the big concern, and there are countries basically saying like the um, Brazilian president, Bolsonaro, said that they don't want to be part of any pandemic treaty. And I, it's interesting because... He says that, says that Brazil might pull out of the who, but for me to get into my own country, I need to have... A test. Not a test. I need to have my uh, my shot. Oh, okay. My gene therapy before I could get into the country. So that's a little... Okay, so I didn't realize confusing. that. He, he, he's still saying that? He's not saying that. But the rules, if you go on... You know, the travel rules for Brazil ordinance. It started with uh, ordinance 666. That was the number of the ordinance where it said you needed to have your test, you needed to have your shots and so on and so forth. If you were a citizen, but not a resident in the country. So that's what we've been working on with our doctor at the moment. Mm -hmm. But so he said, yeah, we're going to pull out of the who and we don't want to do that. In other countries, and interesting, 
the list of countries that were expressing concerns as well were Botswana, Iran, Bangladesh, Namibia, India, Bruni, which I don't know if I'm saying that right, and the Russian Federation. <laughs> so very interesting. Also, several African countries were also, you know, saying they didn't want any part in it. So, but the, the big thing, that. yeah, the big thing about these uh, shortening of this timelines of what you're going to do to prepare or react or respond is that the um, World Bank is already setting up accounts for this new global health security fund for pandemic preparedness, which already has over $3.2 billion pledged by countries around the globe. So the WHO opened a new global hub for pandemic and epidemic intelligence in Germany for data surveillance and analytics innovation. The largest network of global data to predict, prevent, detect, prepare for, and respond to pandemic and epidemic risk worldwide. So it's germ theory on steroids there. <laughs> the WHO also has ongoing um, research pilot programs and gu guidance regarding digital documentation of COVID-19 tests and vaccination certificates. And Switzerland is home to the new WHO Biohub, where countries can rapidly share novel biological materials and pathogens. Negotiations to share intellectual property, patent rights for pandemic medical products have been ongoing at the World Trade Organization. So right now, all of these agreements and negotiations are voluntary. But all these issues are expected to be addressed and become legally binding through the pandemic treaty. So that's what the treaty is about. It's about big pharma profits, it's, and it's about control. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it, it's been that way throughout the whole thing, and it's right. continuing. It's, 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 it's trying to be codified. Mm -hmm. But again, international law, as we just learned, is not enforceable well it's a lot it's of grandstanding but i mean you know there's a lot of things that are not enforceable that are problematic i mean we can talk about the the income tax you know what i mean there's there are still problems that come they have a good with a that. Whole tax code i mean but there's also a lot of propaganda too on that front that mm -hmm. who doesn't believe that the irs is gonna knock on your door and take all your stuff yeah <laughs> you know and you'll go live under a bridge that would be a good episode. That would be a good episode. Because yeah, that was kind of what got yes, us into all this. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Initially. Well, that that was helpful. Is there some more stuff that you wanted to go on? I mean, I thought that was actually pretty informative just to kind of give a good State of the Union on that uh, on the treaty side. Mm -hmm. So Stand for Health Freedom, again, great website. We'll share in the show notes. Um, they have great news about what's going on. So... Their highlight was the Americans have seen lawmakers wake up and start opposing this who takeover of U.S. public health decisions. That's great. 
And again, the who can decide anything. The thing is that the, the government, the administration says, well, we're doing this because the who is telling yeah, us. Yeah, yeah, we this. have to. The who yeah. says we do. But as we learned today, it's completely voluntary. Nothing to worry about. I think what we really need to focus on is understanding who we are, what we were, how, what we were meant to be here on this plane, and the rules that we need to follow are basically rules designated by the creator. Mm-hmm. 100%. And, uh, you know, just as a uh, time capsule moment, we did cross over $5 gas here in, in uh, northern Idaho. Mm-hmm. So what, what what was the most expensive we saw? I think 515. 515. Uh wonder what that's in, that is in California. Well, I know in California they have some areas over 10. What? Yeah, yeah. Now now most of the highs are still between 9 and 950, but uh, there are some areas that are over $10. I was so. talking to, you know, my coworkers we're all discussing is there going to be a race this year? Is there not going to be a race this year? Because, you know, they are telling us inflation is at 7.9%. And I was looking at a uh, post. I heard by, it was higher than that. Well, this is the post, right? So this guy, Loki Ray, don't know what he, who he is. But anyways, he posted, they tell us that inflation is 7.9%. Then I look around and see used cars up 42%. Gas up 38%, utilities up 50%, hotels up 30%, milk up 18%. And I'm wondering, how did they arrive at just 7.9%? Well, uh, <laughs> Biden just went on, you know, like Jimmy Kimmel or something the other oh. day. Yeah, and and he was telling everybody that we have the strongest economy in the world. Oh, my God. And and <laughs> that, that it is just rocking and rolling. I mean, I couldn't believe it. I think even Jimmy Kimmel was like... Uh, are you paying attention? <laughs> you know what I, mean? I mean, it's just nutty. It is complete nuts. Uh, what's going silly. on? You know. So, I mean, I think he's going to have a rude awakening in the uh, you know the midterms that come up, the election. Uh, not that I think that that's going to do a whole lot because you know the people on the other side have kind of proven their uselessness in many cases. But you know, uh, hopefully, it send a message at least that that uh, people are not you know, wanting to put up with this, but I just can't imagine how some people are, are dealing with this, you know, who, who have to, uh, put gas in the car regularly, uh, you know, to, to make it back and forth to their job. I just, especially out in California, I mean, California just so, so, so messed up in so many ways. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. So it is a beautiful state. And we did also view the, um, Matt Walsh documentary. What is a woman? <gasps> Man, that was interesting. I think my heart was a little broken after that. Really? Yeah. In the end, I was like, "Oh." Yeah, I mean, I, I guess that that is a great question. I mean, you know, here you're a woman. I can't get in your head, you know. But when you see that stuff and you see how your gender's being, you know, taken over by this other group, you know, and 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 really, I think I think what is a little heartbreaking is thinking about the kids and the confusion and i mean you think well that's not these conversations are not happening in my house you know my household but i was at um the eighth grade play for our school oh yeah and that was 
the play they 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 performed was Rent, mm-hmm. and I did not know the students of the class. Being our kids go to a small school, but I didn't know the students of that class and how many boys, how many girls there were. And what I know is that those kids, uh, you know, gave their heart and soul, put their heart and soul into that play. And just watching it, first of all, looking at it, I'm like, okay, this, this, I don't think Rudolf Steiner would be <laughs> <laughs> on board with that type of content at a Waldorf school. But, um, and then really looking at the play and the characters, I really couldn't tell who was a boy and who was a girl. Yeah. I remember you, you saying that. I couldn't tell home. because I didn't know the class. And, Kids at that age are impressionable. Yeah. And for you to have to embody that character, and they did a phenomenal job. I mean, I just can't imagine how that didn't mess up with their heads. Well, and I was making the point, you know, like our our son's class did the play Charlotte's Web this year, which, you know, pretty conservative play, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, it's got sweet sweet play and so I mean to think that that one year can go by and then they're doing a play like Rent and they're talking about AIDS and drugs and Yeah, I mean just promiscuity and each, <laughs> trans. Yeah. You know. It's it just was, wild. I mean, it's like it's like okay, that's a leap. That's I a mean, bit of it a leap. really hit home for me that no child really is immune and well you know there was that there was that woman in the in the documentary the one who'd fully transitioned to a man and but said you know i will never be a man you know that was yeah. the the one and, and but but she said you know um the messaging got me or got her at at 42 years old mm-hmm. you know he goes your kids don't have a chance you know oh, what i mean i mean i already have friends going through their daughters at 12, 13, deciding that they don't want to, they don't, they're not a girl. Yeah. They are, they don't feel like, you know, binding them themselves and trying to hide their womanhood. Their femininity, yeah. development. And it's sad. It is just sad because, I mean, I'm trying to remember me at 13. I'm like, that was a big change, I noticed, from 12 to 13. But I really was, I didn't feel that was a little shocking to me. Mm-hmm. You know, just how the world saw me at 13 versus 12. Yeah, That was a big shock. And I was a little confused. And I was, I felt a little... Like I wanted to hide under a rock a little bit, yeah. you know, because there was more attention to you and you are now this body that is new to you. So I just can't imagine like, you know, I think parents, a lot of parents now just kind of try to honor the child, but maybe forget a little bit that they're still growing and developing, mm-hmm. you know, their brains won't be. Especially girls, your brains won't be developed until you're fully developed until you're 25, between 25 and 28. So how, I mean, you can drink, you can drive, but you can make these type of medical decisions for yourself and take, you know, uh, 
hormone blockers. It's, it's some of the things those people were saying, the 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 experts, you know, those yeah, were startling. They were so scary. You know. I mean, and it's funny. I mean, how can you take them seriously? You know, their hair, yeah, they they're blue, blue hair. or, what, what, what or is... pink, or they were a man, now they are a woman. Well, you know, the, the, the blue hair uh, thing is... Yeah, what's up with that? That is an interesting phenomenon to me. I you mean, know? I love the color blue. You know, well, no well... Prejudice there, but why is their, I mean, e- their hairs are either purple or blue? Yeah, well, I mean, purple. I just mean like the... the, the flor- I want to call it fluorescent, maybe, okay? The, the fluorescent mm-hmm. hair. I mean, honestly, I mean, anybody that we see who starts talking that way, that has that, that starts talking, it's like, okay, they're they're really left wing. I mean, it's like crazy left wing. You know what I mean? It's it, it, and they're militant about it. You know, and and that was echoed really in this documentary. Yeah, as like well. they really label themselves. Which is interesting to me. How do you get to the conclusion that you identify so strongly to this, but, this but, political stance but, or this ideology? But I'm, th- I'm thinking, what is happening? What kind of programming is happening that's saying f- coloring your hair fluorescent blue or green is a is a a good idea? I mean, I mean, I'm I'm all up for for anybody doing whatever they want. But I yeah. guess my point is, we're seeing this one group of people really doing this consistently you know i know like when we'll drive down to Coeur d'Alene and you know you'll see or maybe you see more of what you're looking for maybe 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 it is i don't know create your own reality we all have our own versions of reality like we talked about our last episode have you seen a lot of conservative people with uh fluorescent blue hair or no no but i mean do you just look how do you do this you just look at people and you peg them you're conservative you're liberal you're i'm talking about people who are doing interviews or 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 uh i mean i guess it's a great point i mean it's are is, is it that the people with blue hair are getting picked to do interviews (laughs) <laughs> do you know what I mean? And right. so, so you're going to have a higher occurrence of blue hair people <laughs> showing up. I mean, it's an interesting thing. I, it, but yeah. I, and that's what I'm talking about, uh-huh. Morris. I'm just. It seems like I a phenomenon. I'm, I'm interested in how that that works. Works. I know. think we're just maybe exacerbating stereotypes. I think so too. Yeah. I agree. But but I, I did think it was interesting in in the in the documentary when he was trying to get people to define what a woman was without using the word woman. <laughs> and 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 they were just like <laughs> flabbergasted. They just could not, you know, because they wanted to say, you know, anyone who identifies as a woman. Yeah, yeah. but what but what is that? What are they identifying as? Yeah. What is a woman? Uh I don't understand where you're going with that question. What do you where I'm going? I'm saying you can't you're using circular yeah, just logic. Don't overthink it. Don't overthink yeah, it. There's what is be, it to you? There's gotta be something. And they would just refuse to answer the question. Yeah. And I and I was actually That's quite surprised that a lot even of even the women. People, well, I was surprised like, that a lot of those people went on the sh- went on it. You know, because I mean, I'm I'm sure that they at the time, which I realize Matt Walsh is much more of a lightning rod now than he was a year ago. I don't even know who he is. Yeah, yeah, I've I've followed him for a long uh-huh. time, but but uh, um, I'm sure he's much more of a lightning rod now. But but uh, a year ago, he was still a lightning rod. He he just wasn't as as popular one. So I mean, you would figure anyone sitting down to do a film is going to do some background on who the, and, and figure okay, this guy's a conservative you know, uh, blogger, he's 
probably not going to paint me in the way I want to be painted, you know, but these people still I came on. I feel like he was trying to paint them. No, 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 no. I'm not, I'm not saying he did that, but I'm saying you would think that in the polarized world that we live in, that people would assume that, oh, okay, well, this guy's, this guy's not trying to be a journalist. He's clearly a conservative blogger. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if he's doing a documentary, he's probably doing this from the that the other side. Mm-hmm. So, I was just surprised. I that guess if you, if you don't know who he is, like I didn't know who he was, and I felt like he was genuine on his quest and curiosity. Well, but I mean, even when we book when, when we book guests on this, you know, a lot of them want to know who we are and yeah. they want to know what questions we want to ask and walk through. And, and that's mm-hmm. fair, you know, and that's mm-hmm. what I would, I would assume, you know, so. And well, it, was it, was just, it was just, it was just interesting to see that they were open to coming in. Yeah, they were open to him. I mean, it was scary what they were saying, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> especially the pediatrician. Oh my gosh. See, that's why I don't take my kids to pediatricians. Yeah. Yeah. You've got me thinking about a whole, <laughs> cluster oh, bomb of stuff yes, right here yes nutty well i think i think that's uh that's good for today did you want to close out with anything else or or do you feel uh complete i think i feel complete i've been wanting to get the treaty work done no and i think you did a nice a job while. presenting that yeah i wanted to understand it for myself so then here i'm sharing with all of you don't need to be scared of the propaganda mm-hmm. this minority Exactly. They they really they are more scared of us than we would we ever of be of them. All right, Fabby, that's another episode. What do you want to tell everybody? Everybody, thanks for listening. Stay healthy, stay safe, and stay curious. <laughs>